Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, August 17th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway stars James Marino. James, this isn't really necessarily anything uh, theater related, but I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the passing of the great Aretha Franklin yesterday. She passed away in her home of Detroit, Michigan at the age of 76 due to complications after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, Aretha really had no connections uh, directly to Broadway other than she was credited as a, uh, a writer of some songs in the Janis Joplin show that was on Broadway a few years ago. Um, but she was so big and so transcendent. She inspired artists of all kinds, not just singers. And we saw a lot of those people uh, in the Broadway community talking about the impact that she had on them. In addition to just her incredible career, her 18 Grammy Awards, she also was seemingly one of the central voices of the civil rights movement, not only just because of her songs spoke to so many of those issues, but just her presence as an activist uh, was incredibly important as well. So I know for fans of all types and all ages, uh, yesterday was a difficult day. Um, so uh, we remember her like many people across the country and around the world do. And uh, one thing I'll share is uh, Will Swenson tweeted out this, uh, this remembrance of her quote, one night during hair, Aretha Franklin came to see us and Bernard Purdy, the legendary drummer we shared. Uh, Purdy was uh, Aretha Franklin's drummer was also in the band for hair. She invited us back to her, her hotel where she planted herself on a throne and held court all night. Still can't believe that happened. R.I.P. Queen uh, Casey Levy uh, commented in afterwards and said that she catered a meal for the everybody in the company. Just seemed like somebody who loved to be around people and uh, will definitely be a, a a, a, a tough loss for a lot of folks. It's uh, interesting that she really had no direct connection to Broadway and so many Broadway audiences, uh, you know, love her work and so many Broadway performers have such great remembrances of her supporting them and coming backstage. Donald and Champlain posted a picture of her and Aretha backstage after a performance and said that a couple of days later she got a, a big uh, bouquet of flowers from her. Uh, oh, wow. So, I mean, Aretha was a huge supporter of Broadway, it seems. I hadn't known, but just what a talent. Yeah, and she also made famous uh, one of the songs, Say a Little Prayer, which was not in the original Promises, Promises, but it was written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David, and it was later incorporated into the revival, and Kristen Chenoweth sang it. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, she's just one of a kind, and, and I think I, I feel very comfortable in saying that even though it's not theater-related, that this touched a lot of people in the theater community. All right, first up in the news, the critics weigh in as Pretty Woman opens on Broadway. Yeah, James, last night over at the Nederlander Theater, the Pretty Woman uh, stage adaptation officially opened on Broadway. It, of course, as we've talked about, features a score by 80s rock icon Brian Adams and his longtime songwriting partner Jim Valance. It features a book by the film's original director, Gary Marshall, as well as the uh, original screenwriter, J.F. Lawton. Gary Marshall, of course, passed away during the developmental process of this musical. Jerry Mitchell choreographs and directs the show, and it stars as the central couple, Samantha Barks and Andy Carl. You put all of those names into a blender, and you think that something cool has to happen. Judging by these reviews, it sounds like that might not be the case. 
a lot of the the word of mouth, James, that I think you and I both heard was that it was a solid, fun show, not revelatory in, in any specific way, but a good, really fun show. Most of the critics didn't feel that way. Starting with Ben Brantley of the New York Times, he said, quote, the biggest problem for the musical adapters thus becomes selling an essentially essentially tawdry tale minus Julia Roberts lewdness proof megawatt charm. Instead of retailing tailoring Vivian to Miss Bark's specific talents, the creative team has chosen to play up the narrative's twinkly fairy tale aspects, which can be summed up in the lyric. If you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? The score's many country tinged power ballads bring to mind B sides of top 40s hits from the 1980s, the era in which Mr. Adams became a rock star, and they are often delivered with a straight to the audience note holding American Idol earnestness. Mostly, Miss Barks conducts herself like a peppy, tomboyish cut-up from a sitcom. She often doesn't seem entirely at ease, but her discomfort is nothing compared to Mr. Carl's. This fine musical performer often looks as if he would rather be anywhere but here, especially when he has to sing internal monologues about how free Vivian makes Edward feel. Um, So, uh, I don't think... Brantley really offended anybody in this one, finally, but definitely wasn't the love letter that I'm sure the producers would like. Many of his sentiments were echoed by Adam Feldman over at Time Out New York. He gave the show two out of five stars, and his intro is quite epic. So let me let me read it here. Are you longing to see a witty, complex Broadway musical about a lovely but rough-edged young woman from the streets who is swept up by a wealthy but distant older man, tutored in the ways of high society, dolled up in expensive clothing, and then left to wonder how she could return to the life she once led? If so, you're in luck. That show exists, and it's called My Fair Lady. (laughs) Also currently on Broadway is Pretty Woman, a tawdry 1980s gloss of the same Pygmalion myth adapted from the hit rom-com about a prostitute who is Julia Roberts and who is hired for a week of sex and shopping by a handsome corporate raider who is Richard Gere. This latter musical, let's call it My Fair, F-A-R-E, Lady, is mostly just a dutiful replica of the movie, except when it stops to accommodate new periods by period rocker Brian Adams and his writing partner Jim Valance that raised the eternal question. Tell me, have you ever really, really, really ever bought a woman? Ouch. Um, Matt Winman seemed to be a, a little more positive than the other ones as he wrote for time or for AM New York. He said, quote, to its credit, Pretty Woman is adequately and competently handled. There's a positive. And it is far better than the other two new Broadway musicals to open this summer. The bewildering Go-Go's jukebox musical Head Over Heels and the embarrassingly amateurish Get the Band Back Together. So, James, there's some other ones that are uh, a little more positive, but these guys – uh, seem to to have the 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 consensus of all of the critics at this point. There will be more that come out still, but um, I'm I'm a little surprised by this, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, you know, word was pretty good word of mouth, as you mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm seeing it later this this week or next week, and I'll report back what I think. So I don't know what to say. I, I really expected better better reviews there all right uh what do we have in the recommendation section all right i have two things the first one that i want to mention is we talked about ariana grande and james Corden earlier this week mm-hmm. she was back on the late late show for an episode of carpool karaoke and normally i probably wouldn't mention this but ariana and james sang a little suddenly seymour and that is Ooh. one of my favorite show tunes yeah. of all time. Uh, Ari noted that Audrey is one of her dream roles. Hmm. Um, 
which is interesting. I don't necessarily see her as um, as an Audrey. I mean, unless she meant Audrey too, maybe I that could be interesting. <laughs> but no, um, she yeah put put the blonde wig on her. I guess she could probably do uh, Audrey. She would need to do it better than Penny Pingleton, but whatever. Uh, but it was really good. She's got a voice like no other, and uh, uh, so that was really fun. The other video that I wanted to talk about, the cast of Desperate Measures, which is a show that I saw uh, when I was in town, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, interviewed one of the stars. They uh, got to perform on the Today Show's, what, the uh, Thirsty Thursday Boozy Hour with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford on her birthday, no less, and Hoda Kotb. Um, This is such a fun show. James, did you get a chance to see it in either of its off-Broadway incarnations? No, I did not. But uh, Michael and Peter uh, uh, spoke very highly of it. Yeah, it's so much fun. If you haven't seen uh, the show, take a look at the video in the show notes. It's uh, again, as we've talked about before, it's kind of like a old fashioned country Western musical based off Shakespeare's measure for measure. Um, but it's, it's really fun and I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm glad that it seems to be doing well over at New World Stages. Uh, but check out that video and it'll be a good way to get your weekend started. So suddenly Seymour, just for a second, uh, this didn't uh, Jake Gyllenhaal do this at Encores and this was like something that people were saying maybe they could come back. And if Ari did it with Jake, do you think that would sell enough tickets to get it back on Broadway? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think that would be I think that would be fine. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he might be a little too old of a yeah. Seymour for her. Audrey, because I've always kind of had the feeling that Audrey's a little older than Seymour, so that might not look right. But I, I think those if those two ever ended up in a Broadway musical together, I don't think ticket sales would be one of the things that people would have to worry about. Yeah, well, you know, the split in age between we talked about the band's visit and Katrina Lenk and Tony Shalhoub and, uh, you know. And then yeah. Sasan Gabay, yeah. Yeah, even I more. mean, even more. So uh, and and don't get me wrong. I think that the band's visit is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although I, t- I saw it with Tony, I didn't see it with the new guy. So, uh, yeah. All right. What other news do we have? All right, James, I know this is one that you're excited about. Yesterday, we learned that the show The Other Josh Cohen yes. will make its return to New York at the Westside Theater this fall. The show, which was written by and stars David Rossmer and Steve uh, Steve Rosen, originally played at Soho Rep in 2012. Then it had a run at the Paper Mill Playhouse in 2014. This time, the show will be directed by none other than Hunter Foster and will run from October 26th through February 24th. Other than David and Steve, the rest of the ensemble will be announced soon i would have to imagine it would be soon because they'll be starting mm-hmm. rehearsals uh in, in a month or so uh, james you saw this all show out of paper mill and really liked it right yeah i saw it out of paper mill uh and i really enjoyed the other josh cone i uh, i was wondering if we were ever going to see it back in new york uh, i expected to see it sooner because it seemed like at paper mill it was ready to move to an off-broadway house i don't know if it's necessarily a broadway show but it's really i'm, I'm excited to see this Awesome. Very cool. All right. So in some other news on Thursday, we learned that the legendary Sir Trevor Nunn will direct a revival of Fiddler on the Roof for the Minier Chocolate Factory over in London. The show is currently scheduled to run from November 23rd through March 9th. Anytime you get something, uh, a classic show directed by by Nunn, that's super interesting. But when you put it in such a small, intimate space like Minier, I think that could be a that could lead to a very interesting interpretation of that classic show. 
We also learned on Thursday that Corbin Blue, whom I think should be on Broadway at all times, I think it should be written into some sort of contract with the Broadway League that he has to be in a musical to tap dance at all times. Um, anyway, he will play Billy Crocker opposite uh, Sayara Joy Ross's Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes at DC's Arena Stage coming up later this year from November 2nd through December 23rd. And finally, James, this isn't necessarily news per se, and I didn't want to throw it in the recommendations, but it, it, it interested me more than most of Michael Riedel's recent post-radio columns. Um, he wrote in the New York Times last night about a play called Fellow Travelers that is having a rough time making it to Broadway, apparently, because it doesn't necessarily have any stars attached to it as of now, although they're trying to work on that. The show is about the friendship and then falling out of two of the biggest names in the mid mid 20th century arts, Arthur Miller and Elia Kazan. Obviously they worked together in some of the biggest plays on Broadway. And then while they were working together on a new uh, movie, everything with the McCarthy hearings happened. And then that led to a split in their friendship, which led to two of their greatest works individually uh, on the waterfront. And, um, Oh, I can't think of the play. I just saw the the Arthur Miller play um, A View from the Bridge. A View from the Bridge on the waterfront was Ilya Kazan's play or a movie. And then A View from the Bridge was kind of Miller's response to that. Anyway, the play is written by Jack Canfora and it played Sag Harbor's Bay Street Theater this summer and got uh, apparently really good reviews. Uh, but it can't seem to get any traction on Broadway because none of the New York critics came to see it. And there doesn't have any stars attached. Now, Riedel floated out some names about its potential, you know, uh, cast members um, as the two stars. It also apparently um, has a role for someone to play Marilyn Monroe, who came between the two men. Um, honestly, this kind of just feels like Michael Riedel is pumping up a show. Maybe he has ulterior motives. Maybe he has some money in it or maybe it's a friend's show. I have no idea. But the story itself and the way he outlines it in the in the article I it, I'm I'm really interested and, and hope that we get to see this someday with or without stars because uh, you know there's an old saying of, of a sports radio show that I listened to that uh, back in the day 15 20 years ago that the best topic to talk about on that show was that show and I feel like some of the best theater is always about theater and if we can have a little bit of a uh, um, a, a slightly artistic licensed take on two of the most important people in American theater I think that would be great. I can't agree more. I, I this just sounds totally fascinating and and I know, right? And if you can't get stars interested in this type of a thing, I wonder if there's a reason why. You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's Riedel... usually that usually that the people connected to it that are connected to it are uh high maintenance people or something along I those didn't lines. Say that. You know, I had yeah. nothing that's yeah. J at James at broadwayradio.com. <laughs> no, Riedel said he's read the script and it's a great script. So I, I don't know, but it is. I mean, it's tough. Like when he talked, he has some people who say, you know, a nonprofit theater can do a show like Straight White Men without stars, but instead they get Army Hammer. Roundabout could do True West and market it to their subscribers and to people just because it's a great show by Sam Shepard. Instead, they've got Ethan Hawke in it. So, you know, there's a reason that Brian Cranston's doing network and uh, Daniel Radcliffe is is doing the lifespan of a fact. It's because those people sell tickets and that's what get shows on Broadway. Yeah. You know, it's a commercial venture. Yeah. Um, but uh, this sounds like a, a really interesting show that I think a Broadway audience would would take to really well. 
All right. With that, why don't you get us into the weekend? Get us out of here. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. If you check this feed tomorrow, you will have a lot of me in your ear holes. So you are forewarned. <laughs> it's a double Saturday, right? Knock on wood, I can get it all edited. But that is the plan to have two different episodes with four total interviews in the podcast feed tomorrow. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for uh, wrapping up the week with us. As Matt told you, there'll be more for uh, you to listen to tomorrow on the Saturday uh, Broadway Radio feed. And on Sunday this week on Broadway, Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia will be back. And then Matt and I will be back on Monday. We'll talk to you then. 